1: Hi, this is Larry H. Russell. Thank you for downloading another edition of Celtics Beat. Today's episode is being brought to you by our sponsors, the home of online video tutorials, lynda.com, and Casper. Casper's mattresses are premium mattresses for a fraction of the price because everyone deserves a great night's sleep. And to get $50 off any mattress purchase at casper.com, visit casper.com slash Celtics and enter promo code Celtics. Happy Fourth of July weekend on behalf of me, Larry H. Russell, and the rest of us here at CLNS Radio. Thank you once again for tuning in to another episode of Celtics Beat, the NBA season. It never ends. We love it. You love it. I know the NBA offices love it. But we went from the NBA Finals right to the draft. And now here we are in the thick of free agency, which began back on Wednesday. We got Sean Devaney, NBA insider for Sporting News. He'll be here on the show once again. No lame jokes about Fireworks here. I know that's been the popular thing now in the mainstream media, but not here. Let's do the rundown. First day of free agency back on Wednesday, July 1st, and the celtics bang some things out right away. Amir Johnson, two years, $24 million, with just one year guaranteed. Jonas Jarepko, same thing, one year guaranteed contract for 210. And of course, the team locked up Jake Crowder, five years, $35 million. Real quickly, the re signings, great deals. I thought it was as clear as day that Jarepko. Did a good job carving out a role for himself last year. Was a real positive on the 2015 Boston Celtics. Get him back to what basically amounts to a one-year deal. $5 million can help you next year. And even if he doesn't, that contract can be packaged with another contract if a team wants to trade an unguaranteed deal to help another team shed money. Even so, I thought we all saw last year in an extended sample size that he can be a positive contributor And Jay Crowder, a man who last year did a ton to change the culture of the team, particularly defensively, added some real grit and attitude to the Celtics, plus skill, as he's a very versatile defender, a plus defender, as it has been shown, a plus defender that can check three different positions, made some improvements offensively, of course has some ways to go to be a real complete player, but is far from a liability offensively, very effective defensively, and brings those intangibles. I know, I know, this is where you get into that Derek Jeter mumbo-jumbo nonsense, but in all the games we've watched, we saw this team change for the better when he began to get a role here, particularly in January. We've talked to some people within the organization who discuss all that he meant to the team. We see the quotes in the paper, which we know most of the time we have to take with a grain of salt. Remember, the person who reads nothing at all is more intelligent than the man who reads nothing but newspapers, Bonus points for who we can attribute that quote to. Of course, July 4th, Independence Day. The most libertarian man in human history, Thomas Jefferson. But back to the team. Jay Crowder, Jonas Jarepko, they're back in the fold. Looks as if Brandon Bass is on his way out. Can't say as a fan how much I appreciated his contributions to the team since the Celtics acquired him back in December of 2011. And of course to the community one of the classier player who's graced the jersey, and that's saying something for this organization. So I'll give my thanks to Brandon Bass, sort of putting two and two together there as a Celtics, the big move. And, yes, I know this is where the tacky media member or disgruntled fan can insert their lame fireworks joke here. And to that, Wick, I can let you respond.
0: Never people, you know, get that way. I Either I'm sitting at the game, I look up at the banner, or I pull my ring out and put it on. You know, i got no problem with these people. It's fine. <laughs>
1: Yes, thank you once again. But before we get into the reaction to what transpired back on the first day of the month, which I do believe is a discussion in its own right, let's talk about the actual signing. Well, the Celtics, with one move, did what a lot of people were clamoring for. They added a quote-unquote rim protect Now, I won't say that phrase, but you know what I mean? As one of our loyal listeners, Jason, who mentioned in the Facebook group, is he Hakeem Olajuwon, 1994? Of course, no. And it's equally silly for fans to just dis- disqualify anyone as an impactful interior defender if they aren't doing what Hakeem or Mutombo did or could do. But Johnson, when he does play, and that is an issue. Yes, he has had injury problems. It is a roll of the dice there. But when he does play, is a very effective interior defender. And one of the better pick-and-roll defenders in the NBA. You know where I know Brad Stevens is going to love him because that's a dimension that this team did not have last year. But good God, if he was here with KG and Doc Rivers, they would have loved Amir Johnson. Loved him. And I know Danny Ainge had a lot of interest in Amir Johnson back in 05. Unfortunately, he guaranteed Orion Green, of all people, in the second round. So he had to, couldn't really jump and go back there. I guess that's something that he does regret. But anyways, that's what those Celtics back in 9, 10, 11... That's what they were missing years when KG went out of games and the Celtics didn't get what they thought they would with Rasheed Wallace. But defensively, Amir's health, that will be an issue. Defensively, he's going to help, particularly in those aspects. And offensively, he's always been very efficient. He's athletic and big enough to convert around the basket, finish easily around the rim. Again, something the Celtics have very little of. And we talked about the pick and roll on defense. I thought there were many articles out there that came out over the course of the internet this past week. That did more than their fair share to explain Amir's offensive ability in that fast set. So that's where I come down on that. I like it from a basketball standpoint. He is a talent upgrade. He fills a need or needs for that matter for the people out there who are clamoring for that. And he's virtually no risk. The team is going to maintain plenty of cap space and flexibility in future years. More so coming next year when Gerald Wallace's $10 million is off the books. So I like it. I really do. Would I personally have preferred Greg Monroe. Yes, especially if you've been listening to this show the past few months, and you can check out our archives on Celtics Beat on iTunes or Stitcher. I definitely would have preferred Monroe. I will be honest there. That is my opinion. To keep it short, as Greg Monroe is signed with another rival now out in Milwaukee, I think Monroe would have aided the rebuilding process tremendously, tremendously. But obviously, that would have required other moves with other players, not just the money. So obviously, I have the trust of The Celtics Brass has other ideas there. Now, on to the reaction. Okay, yes, predictably the fans were very, very upset. And this is what I talked about in the shows during the second half of last season and in some of our season wrap-up discussions is that with that playoff run last year, it created a wave of momentum, a wave of positive momentum, a lot of high expectations. And with that, those expectations can turn into frustrations if said expectations are not met. Obviously, the draft did not produce what a lot of people Fairly or unfairly expected out of the team that night. Then free agency, be it the media members or, in some instances, members of the organization, they've insinuated for the last year and a half now about how the summer of 2015, you know, right now, could be that big summer because a lot of things could align themselves with the Celtics. Well, obviously, those opportunities did not present themselves over these past few days and few weeks. First off, really, the only opportunities out there were Greg Monroe and LaMarcus Aldridge. Aldridge told them no. Okay. That happens. And Monroe, well, Boston just didn't have the kind of interest in him that we all thought they did. Everyone else, they re-upped. Love, Butler, everyone back with their team. So if you take a step back here, there really is nothing to get frustrated over. Listen, the draft didn't work out. I said last week, I hate being cliche, I hate sounding boring, but it takes two to tango, and Boston offered more than enough, one would presume, to get something done. They didn't let an opportunity go by. They did not sit on their hands or something. It just flat out didn't happen. They were throwing up Edger and James and an entire draft for Ricky Williams-type deals, and no one would budge. This week, look, they really only missed on one guy. Aldridge didn't have much interest in him. Again, I'm going off of what I'm hearing from the wire and from people we respect in the media. Aldridge decided Boston wasn't for him, and that was that, really. So, no, in my opinion, again, that's not an indictment on Boston or, or on the Celtics organization. And in that case, there shouldn't be reasons to be upset because, again, those opportunities just weren't there. And really, look at the market, be it here in free agency or trades. For those that want the Celtics to jump right into the fire, where's the KG deal? Where is even the Ray Allen deal? Who is a guy out there that help in free agency? I would argue Kevin Love... I'd even argue Greg Monroe because he would have led to something else down the line, in my opinion. But it really is not there. It's just not entirely out there like it was back in 07 when he had Garnett and Gasol and a few other guys that it could have been had. And let's do another history lesson. If you go back to 2006, and I have mentioned this on past shows, but hey, I'll do it again. Let's go back to 2006. Remember the infamous Red Auerbach quote, which we've now seen in the media time and time again, especially over from the blogs in these last few weeks of what's been going on. And what's transpiring here with the Celtics. Red back, the best deals can be the ones you do not make. Al Jefferson and draft picks for Allen Iverson. That would have been a biblical disaster. A biblical disaster. No KG, no 17, just a few 42 win seasons, and that's it. Same thing here. Can't sell the souls for the sake of appeasing people that could lead this organization to tripping itself of its assets and flexibility and thus entrenching this team in mediocrity. It's boring. I know. Playing the wait-and-see game boring for me to continuously say this, but it's really the only way. And from an entertainment standpoint, at least this time, whereas back from 03 to 07, this is going to be a watchable Celtics team, as we saw in the second half of last year. And to me, I don't know about you, that means a lot. It really does. Remember, this is entertainment. This is not life. Celtics wins and losses have no effect whatsoever on the well-being of your children, or if you're going to have a roof over your head, or if you'll have a meal on the plate at dinner. And we should all have those one way or the other. I know, thanks to the fine folks over at American Farmers Network, I'm eating nice, big, fat, juicy ribeye steaks at dinner every single night to go along my eggs and butter from the Coolidge Corner Farmers Market. So I'm happy. Everything else is bonus. The Celtics, they fall in the bonus category. We all know how tough it was back in 2014, the beginning of last year. Watching that team, it was Painful to watch, to be honest with you. But this year coming up, there's still time to make a trade or two in the coming weeks. That's something we will be watching, and you can stay tuned to CLS Radio for some updates. There, we'll be watching that as they need to add some shape to this roster. And I fully expect the Celtics next year to come right back and play hard and play as a team and win possibly more games than they lose. Is that the end goal? No. But if that's going to be how we as fans will travel along. With the roads to get to that goal, I'll take that any day. It far beats some other process, such as going on death marches through the Sahara or whatnot for other rebuilding uh, phases. So, am I thrilled with this offseason? No, I am not thrilled. We know the draft did not go great. It wasn't butchered like many people would have, you believe. But I'm confident RJ Hunter will pitch in, and that would be a victory in itself. And I'm not thrilled— with this team that was not very aggressive with Monroe because I thought they had a shot there and I thought he would have helped. But Amir Johnson is going to improve this team next year and all at the same time. The Celtics keep their cap space. They maintain their flexibility. They still have a good-sized rainy day fund. And that's what this organization did not do during the Patino and Wallace days and how many Monday morning quarterbacks to this day complain about the short-sightedness of the Celtics then. Sounds a little contradictory. Uh, A little hypocritical? No, I cannot imagine fickle Bostonians or hot-air-infused windbag media members contradicting themselves. Guess that never happens, right? Seriously, back to this reality here. All in all, so far, if you're asking for a grade from me from my vantage point, B-minus, acceptable. Could it have gone better? Possibly. Would I have done things differently in the words of the astute Sarah Palin? You betcha. But it was passable, and the team did not cripple themselves cripple themselves all in the name of appeasing the masses i tell you our government so-called democracies around the world could learn a lesson in that train of thought or else the world economy wouldn't be in the predicament that it is in and we all be people better for it huh so happy fourth right so anyways our reach question of the day a little negative but i figured i'd get our active listenership involved and could engage some quality discussion so here we go once again, can be found at wwwreachthatcom slash or facebook.com slash And our Reach question of the day is being brought to you by Casper. Casper's mattress is an obsessively engineered mattress using two technologies, latex and memory foam, which come together for better nights and brighter days. It's a comfortable mattress that has just the right sink and bounce. A Casper mattress provides long-lasting comfort and support, and you can buy it easily online and completely risk-free. Casper offers free delivery and painless returns within a 100-day period, so you don't have to lie down in a showroom. Get a Casper mattress for $500 for a twin or $950 for a king-size mattress, and you can save an additional $50 as one of our audience members by going to casper.com slash Celtics and entering the promo code CELDICS. So, Celtics beat audience. Is this free agency period an indictment on the Celtics organization? Yay or nay? Just head on over to again to... R-E-A-C-H-T-A-P-P.com slash CLNS or grab the link and feel free to contribute to the discussion over on our Facebook group, Facebook.com slash Celtics Beat. One last thought before we get our good friend Sean Devaney of the Sporting News back on the show. Had some interesting conversation with a few of you on Twitter. Guess I don't know for privacy reasons, I will not throw all of your names out there so I can use this point of the show to whore out my Twitter handle at cls underscore LHR if you want to use that as a means to communicate with me as I'm more than open to responding to anyone be it on Twitter or on the Facebook group but facebook.com slash email whatever but at Gilly Conway was pushing hard and trying to win me over on Tobias Harris and why Boston should sign him did he win me over well he brought up some fantastic arguments he really did read some great great articles that he pitched Learned a lot, but no, I am very stubborn on these types of players. Going back to Antoine Walker and, of course, Jeff Green, I am very biased and prejudiced against them, but I despise players who do not master one facet of their game and do not have something they can bring to the table on a night-in and night-out basis. Nights, they do not have it. They can always dig deep into their repertoire and still contribute in some aspect. For example, Amir Johnson can always help you on the glass can always help defending the pick and roll tobias harris another one of these dreaded inefficient mid-level per swiss army knives jack of all trades yet master of nothing could they work out a la gordon hayward sure but i never go that route history has shown you can get burned 10 times over if you get fooled by that kind of potential and rob hennigan and the magic and those that are in and around that organization whom i've spoken to on the show and for future pieces is at see say the same thing so that's why no thank you and i'm happy boston saw it the same way i hope that'll be the case with these types of players in the future as well so that's where i stand on that and i had to get that out there because one of our loyal listeners at gilly conway on twitter i owed him one largely because i've been on the golf course all week and haven't really had the time to respond to him but that's where i stand on that nay on tobias harris may on the celtics offseason and yay for celtics beat and yay for our guests who we have right here sean devaney nba insider for the sporting news our interview with sean is being brought to you by dr ron's ultra pure nutritionals dr ron has a wide variety of supplements that can aid in all aspects of life including a groundbreaking cartilage supplement research at columbia medical center demonstrated that cartilage supplements aid dramatically in recovery healing wounds, and normalizing the immune system. If you're heading in for a surgery and are ruining the healing process supplement with cartilage pre and post-surgery and you'll likely experience some dramatic and some beneficial differences, available only at drrons.com. And to receive a discount, call them at 877-472-8701. And mention Celtics. Again, mention Celtics at 877-472-8701 to get a discount on any order, not just cartilage. Anyways. Sean, welcome back into the show, and happy 4th of July, my man. Thank you so much for taking the time to join us. And to you, Larry. Thanks for having me. We really appreciate you taking the time. Obviously, you know you're in a very important place, and of course, I would be someone who know that all too well. But first day of free agency this past week. Seems as if the Celtics did everything all on that one particular day back there on July 1st. Let's start with the big move. I'll sort of give you the floor here, bringing in big man Amir Johnson, Let's just sort of give us uh, your thoughts on that, if you got any.
0: Yeah, I mean, for for I, I assume most Celtics fans have watched him uh, play for the Raptors and know what kind of player he is. He's very high energy, you know, really a guy who. Um, I still think he's just scratching his potential. I I, I think he's a, a very willing role player, and and that's what he was in Toronto. Uh, I think if you give him a bigger role, uh, he's going to be a better and better player. And and you know he has the potential to be uh, a little bit of a perimeter shooter. He can certainly do that. Uh, excellent defender, very athletic. Uh, uh, you, you know when you talk about the modern NBA, uh, if you're a big man, you've got to be able to defend that pick and roll. Uh, and he does it very well. He can guard uh, the, 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 uh, the 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 pick man as well as the roll man. So, I mean, he can very easily guard uh, inside and he can guard outside. So, you know, I think that's a really good move for the South, because something that they were really lacking, you look at guys like Selinger and Geller and Olenek, uh that's not a skill set that they have on the defensive end. And, and I think the near Johnson really brings that.
1: Yeah, I can actually already see it now how much Brad Stevens is going to like him. He also seems to be the classic player that's valued so much, especially by the analytical people. And the, and with the new way the NBA is playing, you just talked about it right there. Defends the pick and roll exceptionally well. Very good weak side shot blocker. Very efficient when he did play. And if I'm not, you know, if I recall correctly, he got an injury last year, and Toronto sort of went a little south. Uh, when Mm -hmm. he sort of stepped out of the lineup. So I could see a guy like Brad Stevens falling in love with him. I know if Doc Rivers was coach of the Celtics, I could see Doc like just throwing that guy out there for 35 minutes a game and not playing out. But one thing that I find interesting is there's this high impatience from fans, and I know the mainstream media has sort of jumped on this and mocked the Celtics in a way, oh, you know, this is all you do in free agency. I mean, what do you have to say to that? Because, obviously, my thoughts in the opening, what do you have to say to sort of the mainstream reaction to the signing by the Celtics? Yeah,
0: well, I mean, I, I think, look, do you want to be the Celtics or do you want to be the Lakers in the mix right now? I, you know, to me, that's my immediate reaction. Is that uh, they have a plan B. They're they always going to have a plan A, and the plan A is to go for whoever is available uh, who can be a superstar for your team. And that's, that's how it should be. You should always be in position to do that. And they are in position to do that. Uh, if, if, if that fails, you better have a plan B. And that's, that's what I look at with the Celtics is, uh, you know, what, what you have to be impressed with uh, you know, on a national scale. I understand, like, on a local scale, you look at it and you have certain expectations and they don't meet them and, and, and you're frustrated and you're angry. Uh, but when you look at it, you, you got to really step back and take a broad view. Uh, you know, it's hard to sign other players uh, from other teams. It, it, there's not a lot of teams that have a lot of success with that. Houston has had some success with that, but but really show me another. I mean, there's there's not a lot of other teams who go out there and and, and sign other teams for the agents very often. It just it, it's hard to do. So I think if you if you look at it, uh, what the Celtics have done is set themselves up so that if there's an opportunity. To sign another player, uh, they're there and they're ready for it. Uh, but if not, they've got a plan B. And to me, that that that's the most important thing. Is if you look at this roster, you look at what they accomplished in the second half of last year. I think you've got to be encouraged. I mean, this is this is a team
1: that that
0: is on the rise and will eventually get that guy. Sometimes it takes a while to do it.
1: Yeah, I also thought, and I mentioned this as soon as they were playing well at the end of last season, if we can even refer to it as last season now, that the expectations now for this season coming up here in 15-16 have entirely changed. And the expectations have rise, and that created all this momentum into the draft night. Draft night eventually ended up being a bit of a dud. And with free agency, it's the same thing. All these fans they sort of got worked up. They were just having these visions of the Celtics, you know making you know another one of these two thousand seven like summers july thirty first two thousand seven if we want to get a specific date i I would also say though that the organization in a way sort of not really works the fans up, but they insinuate a lot of what they plan to do. We saw how adamant they were about trading up and this wasn't you know rumors from the dark corners of the internet they put it on their official twitter for handle for goodness sake about Danny' yeah, right. intention to trade up right. they've talked about free agency pretty much the last year and a half this summer and it, it ended up producing amir johnson is it detrimental in a way for the Celtics and the people in that organization to potentially talk of the things that they are going to do that open in the media as much as we like it when they do so
0: no, Larry, I mean, that's your point, Larry, is that is that they do tend to raise uh, expectations a little bit with the way uh, that they've approached things and, and uh, you know, how excited they are about their draft picks and all that stuff. When you look around, uh, again, you, you know, you take the national view. Um, other teams aren't that excited else, you know, the Hornets would have made a, a, a trade for those picks if, if they really thought they were so great. But, uh, uh yeah, that's, that, that is detrimental. I, I, I agree with you a hundred percent that, um, you know, that, that selling the future as uh, cap space and, and picks is dangerous because cap space, sometimes doesn't get spent. And you know, when going to uh if you leave this summer with only Amir Johnson, uh Jonas Rebko, uh maybe one other guy, uh, and then go into next summer you know, next summer, everyone's going to have cap space. There's going to be a huge glut of free agency going on next summer. Uh, so, you know, you're, you're really going to be in a position where, uh, you're competing against everybody and you're probably going to lose because, you know, the Celtics are still a middle of the team. I mean, they're still, you know, six, seven, eight seed in the East. Uh, and, and that's, that's probably the best they can hope for. Probably a team that's going to lose in the first round. So, uh, yeah, you know, it is, it is something where, Uh, I like where they are. I I, I think they put themselves in as good a position as they possibly could have, but they do themselves a disservice by selling it as more than that. And that's that's where the problem is.
1: Yeah, I've always applauded the authenticity of the organization. Of course, that's the word Rick Rosbeck used on this show a couple months ago. But I do think that they could take a page a little bit out of the Patriots playbook and sort of hold the phones, especially with the media. Cause they have, you know, they've made it sometimes sort of like, you know, Oh my God, this could happen. And when, when that doesn't, then the fans, and of course, you know, the, the talking heads in the media sort of you know, pick at them and, and, they shouldn't, but at the same time, I mean, it's like they're a little too honest in my opinion, if they just sort of in, in the sense, in that sense, if they gave maybe some cliche answers to the media I think it would help their cause because I think there are times when they sort of show their cards a little bit too much, and I thought that they did that during the draft, and I was yeah. I was a little concerned because once things did end up the way they did, you knew there was going to be a backlash. I also sort of want to talk about you know if we want to get back to discussing more about basketball on the floor. One free agent they apparently did not pursue, according to Steve Walpet of the Boston Herald, one of the great Celtics beat reporters out there, has been for 30-some years, reported that the team never really seriously pursued Greg Monroe. Could you sort of talk about that? I was actually a huge fan of his. I thought he could have been a pretty good fit here, but I, I guess not. Could you sort of give a few reasons as to why?
0: Uh, no, I don't know why. You know, frankly, I, I I thought that was the kind of guy they needed. You know, an interior presence uh, uh, who's got length and all that. So he's not a great defender, but but certainly offensively, uh, he is a guy who can you can run your offense through inside. Uh, and, you know, when you talk about the modern big man in, in terms of not necessarily being the, uh, a guy who needs to stand next to the basket and, and, and get his that way, uh, Greg Monroe is, is, is really a guy who can step out and hit an 18-footer. Uh, he can pass from the high post. Uh, you know, to, to me, that is uh, when you look at the Celtics offense. That's what you want. I mean, that's, that's a guy that you want, really. I don't know that he would have signed with Boston. I think Milwaukee, uh, obviously, is a, is a team that's uh, kind of following the same plan as the Celtics, but is a little more advanced in terms of, uh, uh, in terms of what they've got on the roster, the talent that they have. So. Uh, you know, I, I I don't think they necessarily would have gotten him either way, but I, I, I was surprised as well that they didn't really get in on him uh, because he does seem to be like the kind of guy uh, that, uh, that, that 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 can really suit their needs in terms of the, uh, in terms of the, their offense for sure.
1: Yeah, it's also interesting, too, when you see these players signing with a place like Milwaukee. I think it throws out these ridiculous assumptions of, oh, player X, player Y, player Z will never sign here. Boston, Milwaukee, they always sign with the Lakers and the Knicks. Lakers and the Knicks have pretty much struck out in free agency, although it looks like the Knicks are closing in on Robin Lopez here. But it sure seems to me like these players are going to the best situations for themselves. It has almost nothing to do with location.
0: Yeah, right. That's that's almost become a fallacy here, and and the Lakers in the mix. Uh, really have learned that the hard way over the last few years, and it's really coming into focus this year. Uh, but it's something that that, that has done enough to get Dwight Howard, you know, spurned the Lakers, and all uh, the way back to 2010 when uh, when uh, LeBron spurned the Knicks, and and you know but I thought he was going to New York, and that just didn't happen. So, uh, yeah, you know, I, 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 this is what the league has been trying to do uh, with the rules, with the tax. Uh, with the CBA, everything that they've, that they've tried to do uh, has sort of led up to this, where uh, Milwaukee has a good chance at signing a top-tier free agent uh, as, as New York or L.A. And, and that's been that's the case, and uh, that's exactly what they wanted to have happen. You know? So it's, it's really coming to fruition. Uh, but everything we went through with the lockout in 2011, when you look at it now— this is what the league wanted, and, 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 and this is what the league
1: has. And I want to get into one free agent name before we break quickly for a commercial break. Tobias Harris, a lot of people, they were reaching out to me on Twitter talking about why the Celtics did not pursue him. He's another name as, as opposed to Greg Monroe. Could you please, if you, if you to the best of your ability, describe as to why the Celtics really did not seem to have that much interest in, in Harris, although it looked like they were a little yeah. more interested in Harris than they were in Monroe.
0: Yeah, it, it did look like they were going to pursue him, and 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 they kind of back off. I, I think the indication is that uh, that uh, Orlando is going to match. Uh, you know, they went after Paul Millsap, and and they wanted to try to uh, make their team a little more be- uh, veteran-oriented, uh, uh, but uh, once that didn't happen, uh, it looks like Orlando is going to match whatever Tobias Harris gets, so I think that's one reason why the Celtics uh, didn't bother with the proceedings, is they kind of knew that Orlando, once uh, the most thing didn't happen, uh, was going to uh, uh, lined up, uh, uh, you know, going somewhere else. So, you know, I I, I, I I can understand that he would be a good fit with Dawson, There's no question. Uh, but uh, you know, it's not somebody that they can really rely on uh, in terms of uh, uh, in terms of b- being able to bring in. So, uh, you know, that's that's something that uh, you make your inquiries and and if you don't think you have a real choice, then you know, there's no there's no real point in uh, in making the proceed.
1: Yeah, that's sort of the dangerous game you play with restricted free agents because, in my opinion, if there's a restricted free agent that you really, really, really want, it's something that would have to take probably a sign and trade at the end of the day because, I mean, if you dedicate that much time and interest in a restricted free agent and you whiff... Uh, you spend phone calls, you spend visits. You only have, you can't clone Danny Ainge so many times. You send him around to, you know, you know wherever places he needs to be. Then you miss the boat on other free agents like you were talking about a Plan B with Amir Johnson. But Sean, stay with us. Everybody, stay with us. We're gonna break quickly here. Commercial break. We will be back with Sean Devaney, the sporting news after a few words. Slash CLNS. This is Larry H. Russell back here again, and let me tell you a little something about me. I'm always reading a book, or three, be it a revolutionary breakthrough on neuroscience such as Daniel Kamen's Thinking Fast and Slow, or even a philosophical masterpiece like Plato's the Republic. I'm always doing whatever means to soak up as much knowledge as I can about the world we live in, and we can't do that without literature. But not everyone finds it convenient to carry around all six volumes of the history of the decline and fall of the Roman Empire with them. But there's a solution. My good friends over at Audible. Audible is a leading provider of audiobooks with over 150,000 downloadable titles across all types of literature. You don't need to be all alone creating that impossible private time with our everyday lives of chaos to do some reading and relaxing. Audiobooks are great to listen to wherever, be it in the gym doing chores at work or around the house, driving, riding, shopping, whatever. Audiobooks are the remedy for you. And Celtics Beat and Audible are teaming up to offer you your first audiobook for free. Just go to audiblepodcast.com Celtics. That's audiblepodcast.com Celtics. Okay, welcome back into Celtics Beat. We have Sean Devaney here with the sporting news. We've talked a lot about the Celtics free agency, what they did, what they almost did, what they should have done. Want to talk about a little bit later what they could do in the summer. They still have some time to shape out the roster here. But they did make two other moves back there on the 1st of July. Jay Crowder, five years, $35 million. Jonas Drepko, two years, $10 million. Of course, only the first year at $5 million is guaranteed. Sean, I, in my opinion, I thought they did, once again, did very well there. It seemed like Jay Crowder, to me, let's start with him, took a bit of a discount, in my opinion, to stay in Boston.
0: Yeah, I mean, he's a guy who a lot of teams are really interested in. And if he had David, uh, he probably could have gotten a better offer as, as one of those secondary pre-agents. Uh, but yeah, you know, I, I, I really think that's a great sign. He's obviously a very versatile player. Um, if he can play three positions. He can certainly guard three positions. Um, so yeah, I mean, that's that's something that uh, he's one of those guys that kind of makes up this roster. Um, and going forward, when you talk about trying kind to of bring in a big name or, or a big star or, 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 or somebody who's a, uh, you know is a, is a franchise changer. He's somebody that, if he's not part of your team going forward, you can, you can certainly, uh, he has value around the league. And, and, and that's, to me, that's the most important thing uh, for the Celtics is, uh, uh, is that they have a lot of guys who have value around the league.
1: Yeah, it's actually pretty interesting to me. We're t- everyone's sort of freaking out oh, how dare you pay a role player $7 million? I mean, that's pretty much the new NBA, if I'm not mistaken. Especially when the salary cap goes up next year, I think you're going to be seeing some absolutely ridiculous contracts next year. But I remember Drew Bledsoe was getting seven years, forty-nine million dollars. That accounted to seven million (laughs) dollars, but that was back in what 1994? Different time, different place. Of course, I guess that's scary to you know me and you when you just talk about how seven million dollars doesn't mean as much anymore. I'm lucky to. I guess we're going to have to break out the wheelbarrows pretty soon.
0: Yeah, that next year is going to be crazy. Yeah, there's no question that the amount of money that will be available next year, uh, and 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 the raise and the maximum salaries is going to be pretty crazy. And next year, if you look at who the free agents are going to be, uh, you know, you do have some as usual uh, who are top tier guys. You had a lot of guys this year though who had the opportunity to take a short contract and play the market next year. You didn't do it. You know, a guy like Kevin Love, for instance. Uh, you know they didn't do it, and so I think it's a much thinner free agent market next year than a lot of us thought it was going to be. Uh, and, and 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 what that's going to yield is you know you, you talk about Jay Crowder getting getting seven million a year, he's going to get uh, you know ten million a year next year. You know a, a guy like him, a comparable guy, so next summer I think it's really going to be very fascinating to watch.
1: Yeah, I was you mentioned Kevin Love's name. I was flabbergasted when I saw him re-up for five years. Because I know a lot of people, there were a lot of people that were just writing off Cleveland entirely. I know they did that before the playoffs. I was sort of saying, hey, let's wait and see if this team sort of gets the NBA Finals, which, of course, they ended up doing. He's probably going to give that another shot. But at the same time, I thought it all pointed to him taking some sort of one- or two-year deal and then taking one more chance at getting another big, huge maximum salary, particularly when that salary goes up. And, of course, it gives him another shot with Cleveland because, according to many reports, the guy wasn't all that happy there. But, alas... Here he is, five years. What in God's name happened there over these past, you know, few days or few months for that matter?
0: Yeah. Yeah, you know, I, I, I really think that what wound up happening was that he, he, I really thought he was going to opt in on his contract next year so that he could be an unrestricted free agent next summer, you know, wherever, wherever he wants. I think Cleveland thought that as well. I think that, that, that they thought back to where this was headed. So the fact that uh, that that wasn't what happened, uh, you know, Cleveland was sort of in a position where, okay, we need to keep this guy. We need to get him to a contract that that we can have going forward. Not so much to keep him on the roster. But eventually, to possibly trade him. I, you know, certainly you're certainly going to give it a chance. You're going to go out there and you're going to, uh, you're going to see how they do next year. You're going to see how it works with Tristan Thompson and him and, and Timothy Malkov and LeBron. Uh, and, uh, you know, obviously, going to have David Black back. So, you, you know, you, you, you've got a lot of question marks there uh, if you're Cleveland. But this is still the best team in the East. Uh, probably will be the best team in the East again next year. So it's a matter of you know how do they handle the playoffs and, and 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 eventually, assuming they get to the finals, which I think they will. I think most people would would uh, would concede that um, if they get to the finals, then uh, then, then what happens from there? So. If, if it doesn't work, if things are bad with, with Tristan Thompson and Kevin Love, you've now got him as an asset, and, and, and teams are still going to value him, uh, and you can possibly move him going forward. So the Cleveland, uh, you know, obviously it's a big contract, it's a big risk, uh, but at the same time, I think that they see that as a risk that they can move on to someone else if they need to.
1: Yeah, that's why I found it very interesting from Kevin's standpoint as to why he opted, you know, in long term. Because of course he puts himself, you know, it's not like he's making chum change at the same time too. i I'm, we're I'm gonna play poor Kevin Love here, but at the same time he can't really control his own destiny as to where he wants to go. I know if that's the case, you know, you're sure enough you're going to hear that once again. Celtics and trade targets, although it'll be, I think Cleveland would not want to trade in conference, and he probably would not want what the Celtics have. They'll probably have want a uh, proven player. But with the remaining p- portion of the summer, first off, the Celtics are going to have to shape out this roster. They're going to have to cut some corners and dot some I's and cross some T's for them to you know, field a legitimate team here. Could you possibly talk about what they could do in the trademark coming up here? Because I think that we all expect them to be, you know, not... Extraordinarily active as what they were five six years ago, but they could be looking at this as a different avenue to sort of round out this team. Am I correct?
0: Yeah, there's, uh, that's absolutely a choice, and and there will be some big names. You know, I've heard uh, Eric Weddle is a possibility to be traded for, uh, from Phoenix. Um, you've got uh, Roy Hibbert from uh, from Indiana, obviously, as a possible trade target, um, and, and these are guys who you know, Bledsoe you have to kind of commit to the next four years for, but, you know, Dallas Hibbert, you, you've got the one year. You can see what you can do uh, and possibly go from there. So, yeah, I, you know, I think the Celtics, like I said, they have a lot of very trade-friendly contracts, and I think going forward, that's the most important thing. That's how you have to rebuild in the NBA. You know, you look at, look at Houston and you look at Dale Mory and what he's done. Uh, you know, they got hardened by the trade. They were able to sign... Uh, uh, Dwight Howard, but they only did that because they were able to get James Harden first. So, you know, I think I think you need to be in that position, uh, before you can actually succeed. And, and, and that's a position that the Celtics are in. So, when you talk about a guy like the Roy Hibbert, uh, you know, he's a bit of a gamble, but, uh, look, if he pays off, let's go right. And, 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 you know, I think the guy who's going to come in and, you know, really play like he did, uh, uh three years ago. Uh, then that's great, and and if he doesn't, it's a low risk sort of thing. So I would expect to see the Celtics uh, basically uh, uh, as active as anybody uh, on the trade market when that uh, when that time comes. It should probably be you know only uh, five or six days from now.
1: Yeah, I actually mentioned Roy Hibbert on the show, I believe, on last week's show on Around the NBA and 5, and I discussed that I think he could be acquired for really nothing more than an expiring contract and maybe a draft choice Mm -hmm. or two, largely because he is going to be a free agent after next season and because he has not really played well since the middle of that 2013 season when there were all those rumors about him and Lance Stevenson. But I think he would be an interesting target for him, and obviously for any other team as well. Am I sort of in the right boat here? Is he going to really cost a team nothing more than expiring and a pick, and possibly a young player, and that's about it?
0: No, yeah, yeah, You're right, yeah. I think I think Indiana's in a position where they'd be happy to be rid of him, so so they're they're okay with whatever happens to him going forward, uh, uh, as long as they can move him and get some sort of asset in return. Uh, you know they don't have to pay more than one year on the contract and, and they could possibly get a draft pick or two going forward. That's absolutely what, what Indiana wants right now. And I think, I, you know, I, just, just knowing what Hibbert and knowing uh, uh, what his history has been, I think going into the final year of his contract uh, and knowing that he needs to show himself and, and, and knowing that some of the problems that he's had in Indiana have sort of been self-imposed, Uh, I think he'll shut all that. I think he's going to have a really good year next year. So uh, wherever he winds up, I think whoever gets him is going to be pretty pleased. Uh, And uh, and, uh, and certainly you would have to put the Southwark's on the list of, of potential destinations for him.
1: Yeah, I actually remember a few years ago, I think it was during that lockout when he hired Dr. Mike Usell, who I interviewed a while back, and how he just sort of completely changed his diet and his workout regimen, lost something like 50 pounds, and then increased his front squat by 150 pounds, and that was when he really broke out. So it'll be interesting to see if he could sort of rededicate himself again. But for him, it looks like it's more mental now than it is physical. But I'm with you. I think that's a gamble that is worth taking because what do you have to lose, you have to lose what is probably going to amount to maybe nothing more than a draft choice or two. And I actually had one of these conversations in our Facebook group that – The Celtics have so many draft choices now that it's almost like a supply and demand thing that we think these first-round picks they have, they're these oh-so-valuable selections. However, they have so many. Teams know that they eventually have to move them, be it sooner or later. Could that in itself sort of devalue all these, these draft choices because the Celtics do have so many of them and teams know that in the back of their mind, Boston does have to move them because it's not mathematically possible for them to use them all?
0: Yeah. And, you know, frankly, it's, it's one of the problems with the fact that the Celtics made the playoffs last year is that a lot of teams are looking at this and saying that well, these aren't watery picks. You know, I mean, these are not teams that, uh, that, that, that are going to be uh, these are not picks that are going to wind up in the lottery. So, uh, you yeah, know, that's that's. It, I, I really think that those picks are not as valuable uh, as the Celtics, uh, uh, would like other teams, to believe, and, and and like their fans to believe. Uh, and you saw that, you I mean, on that night. There's no question that they were they were pushing hard to uh, uh, to trade a bunch of these picks. You know, at least four first rounders, uh, uh, possibly one of them that, that, that could wind up turning into two second rounders. Uh, but you know, a, a lot of the other teams saw them as you know, middle first round picks are later. And, you know, those are those are gamblers. Those are not those are not lottery picks. Those are not guys that you know are gonna help your franchise going forward. So I think that uh, uh that uh yeah that when you look at the group of picks that they have, I think that's the fear uh, in terms of trading on these, that, uh, uh, is that it's really not as good as uh, uh, a lot of, uh, uh, at least what the Celtics would like to, ha- to, to have you believe, and, and and I think a lot of other
1: teams know that. Yeah, that's sort of I was even thinking almost a conspiracy of what I had because I personally thought that on draft night it probably would have made the most sense for them to sell some of their, their draft choices, and I know that that was there was some rumors leading up to it. But instead, they just used all four draft selections. We all know that all these guys won't be on the team next year. And my conspiracy was that if they ended up selling the picks, that would sort of be them sort of saying to whatever, how many other teams are in the league, 30, 31, I've lost count these days. That would be them telling everybody else, hey, these picks, guess, really aren't as valuable. But instead, they use all the picks. They can say, oh, we picked all these great players. And they are value. Am I sort of reaching there? But I actually think there is something there. Am I right?
0: Yeah, I, 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 you know, I think they have got good players with their picks. I don't, I, I, don't think that they're wasted picks by any stretch of the imagination. But going forward, when you talk about you know eight picks in the next three years, you can't. You've only got 15 spots on the roster. There's only so much you can do, and and, and you know that's. I think that's the, uh, the situation they found them in. Like I said, I think they overvalued them, uh, and would be able to move them as assets going forward. Uh, but, you know, the fact that they turned into a pretty good team, uh, that hurts the value, and they're going to wind up having to use those kicks. And once they do, you know, it's, it's, they're going to get pretty good players who are gambles. They're not going to get guys who are, 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 are sure things that you can get in the top ten. Uh, and, and you know that's 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 really going to be um, all the value that they thought they created. That's going to be uh, defined by the fact that they're not going to be uh, quite what the, uh, what they thought going forward. So I really think that it is a situation where they uh, put themselves uh, uh, in a position where it looks like all these picks were going to be huge assets, uh, and as you go forward you kind of say, well, no, I mean, you can't use all those picks, for one thing, uh, and, uh, and if you can't move them, if you can't move them to Charlotte on, on, uh, uh, on draft night, then, you know, it's kind of like, what's the point? You know, there's, there's not necessarily anything there that's, uh, uh, that's going to, uh, uh, you know, really change going forward. That They're always going to have this problem uh, when it comes to trading those picks.
1: Yeah, that's something that does concern me moving forward, and I believe personally that if they are going to make any of these big blockbuster moves, be, if they use the trade avenue, I think it's going to come with a three-way trade where they could send some picks to some other team, get a player, send that team. Obviously, you sort of know where I'm going. I don't know what can confuse any, anyone anymore. But last question here before we get you out of here. Pending the Celtics making some huge blockbuster trade, we all do expect them to make a few more moves just really to shape out the roster. really won't be any game-changing move. But pending they do not make a game-changing move, is this team once again next year a playoff team?
0: Yeah, I think so. You know, I think it's a 7 or 18, uh, and, and probably a team that loses in the first round. Obviously Miami's going to be better. Uh, Indiana's going to be better. Uh, so you're going to have some competition there for those for sort of those I think the East in general will be a little stronger, uh, top to bottom. Uh, so I think that that's going to be a factor. But um, with the way they played last year, the way I think Brad Stevens coached, the way uh, that they really seem to develop a system, um, almost to where uh, the system was more important than the players. If that makes sense, you know, it, it, it seems like uh, they, they had a way of playing, and they were able to plug that in. In 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 terms of what their style is going to be, Uh, and it worked. And you know, assuming they can they can maintain that style uh, and maintain the uh, the hunger in those guys. You know, those those guys played. uh, You had a lot of young guys, a lot of guys who uh, maybe have gotten bounced around other organizations and things like that. So you have a certain hunger with that, and I think if you can maintain that going forward uh, into next year, uh, then then there should be a team that wins, uh, to me, 45 to 47 games, somewhere in that range. Uh, and, and if they do that, that should be good enough uh, to make the NBA, to make the playoffs in the Eastern Conference.
1: 45 to 47, that's sometimes good enough to win the division. Yeah. <laughs> it is.
0: I think Toronto I think... would be a lot better, but, but you're going to have look, look. You're going to have Philadelphia be terrible, uh, and you're going to have New York to be terrible. I think uh, I think the Celtics can, can really win in that forty-five game range. I, 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 you know, I mean, look, they won forty last year. Don't you see a a, a five game improvement uh, from them this year? I, I, I sure do. It, considering the way they started last season, uh, I think forty-five games not not uh, out of
1: reach. Well, we'll definitely get you back on here in a few months, as we always do, particularly to follow that up. I think there's no better way to get you out of here on that. Sean, happy 4th of July. Thank you so much for joining us. Sean Devaney of Sporting News audience. You can follow him at Sean Devaney. Sean, thanks for joining us on Seller's Beat once again.
0: Okay, have a good holiday, my friend.
1: You too. That's Sean Devaney. We'll be back with Around the NBA in 5 in a few words. Are you looking to lose weight? Burn fat, pack on muscle, or just live a healthier life by sleeping better and worrying less? Well, aren't we all? Unfortunately, we've spent years quibbling over phony studies, fad diets, and dangerous prescription drugs that have prevented us from living our lives to the fullest and have done more harm than good. But thankfully, science has prevailed, and we now know that there is no other way in achieving optimal health than by consuming what nature has to offer us in its purest form possible. Hi, I'm Larry H. Russell, host of Celtics Beat and critically acclaimed author of Fall of the Boston Celtics. And let me tell you about Dr. Ron's Ultra Pure Nutritionals. Dr. Ron's supplements are 100% additive free, and best of all, they work. Dr. Ron's supplements are my personal go-to for anything from post-workout recovery to achieve optimal gains, all the way to stress management. So if you're not getting the results you want from maddening forms of dieting and dealing with adverse side effects from other harmful drugs, remember one thing, as Hippocrates said, let food be thy medicine and medicine be thy food. And let Dr. Ron's ultra-pure nutritionals be the remedy for you. Available only at www.drrons.com. All right, this is quickly becoming my favorite part of the show. Time to go around the NBA in five, brought to you by AmericanFarmersNetwork.com. A consumer should know where their food comes from and the standards that should be adhered to. And American Farmers Network meats are produced by the network of small family farmers who are committed to the most natural and compassionate approach to ranching. Their production standards go above and beyond even USDA regulations, and all of their certified organic beef is 100% grass-fed from poultry to pork and, of course, beef. AFN's Family ranches are committed to providing you and your family with the healthiest, most nutritious meat so you can live the healthy lifestyle in which you have a right to. So what are you waiting for? Log on to AmericanFarmersNetwork.com and eat and live healthy today. Let's do a special free agency edition of Around the a- NBA in 5 today. And we're going to start off with the Milwaukee Bucks, who signed my man, the guy I've been on talking about on this show for pretty much months on end, Greg Monroe, three years, $50 million, player option for that third year. Congratulations to the Bucks. I think Greg Monroe is a, you know, a borderline elite player, in my opinion. I think he was severely undervalued there in Detroit. He was in a bad situation in terms of what him and Drummond matched up with. Obviously, he had two big guys, really didn't work out together. I look back, I even look around his rookie season, his second season, he was a very productive player for Detroit, and he still remained very good, it just it didn't really work out, it didn't it, uh, produce any team victories in terms of that aspect, largely because it wasn't a fit. Listen, the guy has his, his deficiencies, he's not an all-world defender, but of course if he was, if he even is a very good defender, he'd be, in my opinion, one of the better players in the league. Alas, he isn't. He is what he is, one of the best interior offensive players in the league, and I think the Bucks did very well for himself. He's 24 years old. He's played 80-plus games. Every single year he's been in the league, except for the strike season in which I believe he played all 66. Been very durable, very effective offensively. Still room to improve. I think Milwaukee did very, very well for themselves. They're going to be an interesting team to watch. Everyone was looking at the Wizards last year making the jump. The Wizards did. Of course, they ended up losing Paul Pierce. I think Milwaukee is going to be that team. A lot of people are going to be looking at making a jump. Of course, they get Jabari Parker back. And they re up Chris Middleton as well. He's back in the fold. Good move, obviously. We saw, had Gary Wolfel on the show a few weeks ago, and he said that that was a no-brainer, no-lock. I know a lot of people were out there talking about Middleton as a potential target. Really wasn't much going on there. Buck snagged him back. Obviously, some other restricted free agent news. I guess if you even want to call it news because it really wasn't news, this is something that we all expected to play out. Kawhi Leonard, he's back with the San Antonio Spurs. A lot of people consider them targets for all these teams. The Knicks, you even heard the Celtics being thrown around a few months ago. Uh, the, he's the guy that's going to be carrying the torch for that franchise for a long, long time. Duncan, you got to think, one, two years tops. Ginobili, same thing. Parker's obviously got a lot more game left in him, even though he's been in the league a good 15 years now. Well, he came in the league at 19. But... Kawhi Leonard, one of the great trades by the Spurs, snagging him, I believe, for the rights to George Hill back a few years ago, developed very nicely in that system. We were talking with Ian Eagle about that. If he was, say, picked by Sacramento three years ago, four years ago, whatever it was, I think it was 2010, I believe. So that was five years ago. By Time time flies by, huh? Would he really be the player that he was? I guess I guess not, but that's all moved. he did develop in San Antonio. They have a great system there, a great culture there. It was a great... Moved by then, great re-signing by them. One of the better two-way players in the league. The other great two-way player is a restricted free agent, Jimmy Butler. There were, once again, more silly stories, I thought. There was a r- ridiculous rumor that came out on a blog of all places, a Laker blog, which had him having interest in signing a one-year contract with the Lakers, which was actually not fe- even technically possible for that to happen. So it shows for everybody to take some of these rumors, especially when they appear on these blog pages. With a grain of salt, but he's back with the Chicago Bulls. I thought if there was anything between Butler and Leonard of uh, a potential of either of those guys moving on, I thought Butler could, you know, possibly be one to do so larger because you just really can't trust Jerry Reinsdorf at all. But as Gary Wolfe also said in the show, how in God's name would Chicago, you know, mess up as badly as they did if they let him go? They do have a nice young core, so it was a good move by them. Others... Free agency news. Now we talk about some unrestricted free agents, some restricted free agents, young players on rookie contracts up for extensions. Anthony Davis, lar- largest contract in NBA history, hundred forty-five million dollars. That's a lock. He's, in my opinion, the best player in the league. I know people a lot will say with well, Le- LeBron James, but if you are starting a team. I think you start a team, in my opinion, with Anthony Davis. If you want to get into this well, LeBron James is 30 years old. He's got, you know, 10-plus years in the league. Anthony Davis has been affecting the games. Talking about two-way players, probably one of the best two-way players in the NBA since Hakeem Olajuwon. Should we say it? He's going to go down as one of, you know, the top six or seven centers in the league. One of the better players in history. (laughs) So, I don't know what more I can say if I say great move by New Orleans. I know there were some rumors out there, some murky, murky news in terms of him not being too pleased with how things were being run. They made some moves. You have to wonder, when they fired Monty Williams, how much of that was done because of Anthony Davis. He was sort of questioning how that franchise was being run from what was coming out there. But... They fired Monty Williams a few weeks later. Anthony Davis back on the Falls, although also at the same time. Very tough for a rookie to walk away from that kind of money. Just like the same thing, Damian Lillard. Five years, $125 million. Very tough for a guy who's just been in a league a few years who you know made a couple million dollars, but this is a little bit more than a couple million dollars. That's a good way to wrap up around the NBA in five. Again, sponsored by American Farmers Network. Fourth of July weekend, I know there are few better ways to celebrate the Fourth of July than, I guess, watching fireworks, but in my, t- my opinion, come on, fire up the grill. Just start devouring the red meats, but make sure, throw away the buns. And of course, please, devour those delicious grass-fed red meats from small family farms at American Farmers Network, far, far superior to steroid-infused animals raised in slave conditions at factory farms. Eat right to live right, and I can't thank the fine folks at American Farmers Network for all they do for me, all they do for the podcast. I've never felt better personally, and it's truly a privilege to talk about all the great things they do on this podcast, which has reached its conclusion. Once again, thank you for joining us, but we're out of here. Music for Celtics Beat was provided by Will Rock, Chuck Dietz, Hyde 209, Astrovex, and Steph Le Be sure to follow us on social media. Our Twitter handle is Celtics underscore beat, and you can like Celtics Beat on CNS Radio on Facebook to keep up with the show at facebook.com slash Celtics Beat. Love to thank our guests, Sean Devaney, Sporting News, as well as our sponsors, Linda, Audible, Casper, Dr. Rons, and American Farmers Network for making this all possible. For our staff writer, Eddie Santiago, program director, Nick Gelso, and myself, the executive producer and host of Celtics Beat, I'm Larry H. Russell. Happy 4th of July. I will not be here next Sunday. We've got the super subs, Jared Weiss of The Garden Report and Rich Conte filling in. They will be here on the 12th with another edition of Celtics Beat, heard exclusively on CLNS Radio.